this idea that the rock, that ecology, that the earth speaks to us, that it too has a dream, that we call this Jacob's dream. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Natalie Owens-Pike, Yale Divinity School Class of 2023. And in this episode, we have Kate Ott, Lecturer in Practical Theology at Yale Divinity School, and Almeida Wright, Associate Professor of Religious Education at Yale Divinity School. They're discussing Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19a, which is appointed for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost in year A. Let's listen in. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19a. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a stairway set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. It's this passage in Genesis 28 is really fascinating for me because it's, you know, we think about it like, oh, this is Jacob's dream at Bethel. But as I looked at it and did a closer read of it, I began immediately to hone in on the fact that Jacob is taking a rock, making it into a pillow and lying down. Now, of course, my gut reaction is that that rock is not going to make a very comfortable pillow. What is this foolishness? But once I got beyond that, the fact that it wasn't like this nice, you know, plush pillow that he was lying on, I started thinking through what does it mean for us to attend to or value this story of Jacob dreaming and Jacob actually just taking some time? Because the story starts in a very kind of regular way where he pauses because it's dark on his journey And because he's tired and he needs to rest. So he doesn't pause because he thinks this is a holy place. That doesn't happen until way later. He pauses just because of a regular human physical need. And so for me, when I think through that, it's like, 
this is amazing. There's something about attending to the mundane that potentially opens us up to hear or to see or to attend or be grounded and connected or connected to a rock in a particular way that opens us up to experience something of the divine or to experience something holy. And of course, all of that immediately emerges for me because this week has been one of hurriedness and craziness. And so thinking through practices of rest and pause and just dealing with like the regular human needs also given me an opportunity to be open to the divine. When I first saw the verses for this passage, immediately I thought, Jacob's Ladder. I did not focus on the rock. Hmm. And it's a sermon by a colleague I have, Kenneth Nagua, Cameroonian-American Hebrew scholar, that forever changed hmm. my reading of this text. And similar to you, it is it is about that rock. And yes, the 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 naturalness of it, the mundanity of it. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> the idea, uh, his sermon was called Rocky Earthy Dream. Mm. This idea that the rock, that ecology, that the earth speaks to us, that it too has a dream, that we call this Jacob's dream, and yet it is, it comes from the rock first. Obviously, it comes from God, but in that moment— where Jacob connects. And I, I'm really grateful for your reading of the sense that this is just a mundane action. Mm-hmm. We all got to sleep when we're journeying. <laughs> and in that moment, he's open to what the earth has to say. Mm-hmm. So, so Dr. Agua says it also is out of space and time in that moment, mm-hmm. right? That's what dreams do for us. There's a way in which they create a space where we can both be history and future, mm-hmm. time and no time, across space. And so there's a way in which I, you know, always thinking about ethics and technology, also love the, the sort of the use of rock, mm-hmm. both as earth, as nature, as communicating something to us that we need to pause and listen to, that transforms Jacob in that moment, that transforms the space into sacred space, Mm -hmm. but also that it's a technology. Mm -hmm. It's a form of communication. And when we think about the kinds of rocks and minerals that, say, make up our mobile phones, where do they come from? Right. What communication are they allowing to happen. So it, it raises some of those questions for me and makes me wonder how then do we think about our dreams as communication? How do we think about the kind of moral imagination that comes from actually identifying the connection we have with Earth, with technology? Mm-hmm. I love Kenneth's sermon and I love. The idea of focusing on the rock, but also the rock as technology and even portal, if you will, to like these dreams. Because I also, I come from a community of people where I grew up in rural Virginia, small African-American community there, of people who get their hands dirty in the rocky ground, but also who, in probably the mundaneness of their daily lives, see dreams or hear, see visions and, he, and and have dreams as ways of opening them to and hearing from God. Now, of course, a couple generations removed from that, you know, lovely community, I'm still a little creeped out 
by the idea of dreams as 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 um as communication or portals to the divine. And even probably as a kid reading this particular text, I was like, yeah, so what do I feel about Jacob's Ladder? And they got people going up to heaven and coming back down. And and I'm not sure I want that. Like, again, I'm not sure of this, this vision or what this is teaching us about like that. But now, you know, moving out of the creepy, like, ooh, that's spooky moment as a child of, of thinking about what this dream might have been to reflect on the reality that there's a long and rich legacy of communities of people for whom dreams are powerful and dreams are the ways that they understand God to give them instruction or warnings or promises. Because this is supposed to be a dream of God providing, of God making sure that Jacob is taken care of. Jacob and his entire family and descendants, they're all going to be protected and provided for. That's what he gets and sees in this dream. I wonder also how Jacob in that moment, the the sort of transition you named earlier of I'm tired, I need to rest, this is ordinary, to this is sacred place. I am now seeing this connection to history and future. And I I wonder, especially for Jacob, who I I don't think necessarily chooses immediately, like, yeah, I'm going to swap out this whole birthright thing. And, you know, I was probably wondering a little bit, did God really choose me? Right. Is this really what's supposed to be right, given my community context? This, I hear as a moment for Jacob to be able to take a breath Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I have this relationship with God. God has spoken with me. I have some, I don't want to say assurity, but maybe at least some concreteness Hmm. to this sense of what will come next. And that sense of what will come next, I love, comes from a grounding Mm -hmm. in ancestors, Mm -hmm. in this sensibility of community that will always be there for you. So in that, I mean, I grew up Catholic Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I love ghosts. I love saints. Kind of, I think, probably confused them as a young (laughs) child. (laughs) I love it. But for me, that was also always the place where moral imagination happened, Mm -hmm. where I thought, wow, there's like these superheroes Hmm. in my religious tradition that did amazing things. And so as I came into seminary and I was introduced to African-American traditions and to folks who had an understanding of ancestors in faith, I was able to see the connections there. Obviously, it is not the same in any way, but it helped me understand how important that is to one's moral imagination and to this eschatological future that that I I hear is being projected in this text mm-hmm. and that I think Jacob has to grab onto and grab onto in this earthy way, right? Your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. So it sort of brings us back to that that rock, that earth, that that connection is not just, it's not just spiritual, it's not just technological, but it's earthy. Mm-hmm. And, and there is nothing that is making those things have to be bifurcated or separated. Because oftentimes we're like, well, if we're grounded, then we can't be spiritual. Or if we are using our hands or thinking about something in an ecological way, it's materiality. So we're, again, not spiritual, not in this dream world. And it's so fascinating, both for my own like traditional community but for I think even the call here in this text is like these things are always being interwoven. And so what 
newness, what richness emerges. I love the language you're using, a moral imagination, but even more so, what kind of technical or earthy imagination emerges when we're holding these things together. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our professors for your insights on this scripture. The transcript of this audio and lots more Bible study resources are available at YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School and is produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, executive producer Helena Martin, and me, your host, Natalie Owens-Pike. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.